Mo Williams has Jackson State undefeated in swag play. Aaron James, the new head coach at Tuskegee in Norfolk State, is pretty good at basketball, but then again, that's nothing new. Oh, yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics. Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every day and remember just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over it just means it's time to follow me on twitter at south exclusives don't forget the s on the end if you're on the audio side of things if you're on youtube just use your eyes and look right here at this beautiful graphic that the locked on podcast network has created they ain't do it for nothing so somebody better start using it but I appreciate y'all for real for making us your first listen now I want to talk about Jackson State because it seems as if Mo Williams has figured it out it seems as if Mo Williams has cracked the code and, they, and he finally has Jackson State humming. And I don't, let me not say finally. That that feels a bit dramatic because it's, it's not what I'm trying to say. Uh, Jackson State hires Mo Williams in the offseason. There was some comments about the, the, the hire and just feeling like, okay, we got to see what he does before we know how to react to this hire. And if it, the first three games of swipe play are any indication, you should feel pretty excited about this this hire because it's nice. And I remember when he won his first game at Jackson State. It was against SMU. I want to say they gave him a Gatorade bath or something in the in the locker room, something to celebrate. That feeling is going to be one that we bring up because it felt like a monkey off my back. I got that first victory. I'm back. I'm in Mississippi. I'm doing my thing. And I won for Jackson State. Let's talk about the lineup that Jackson State's play because this is not an, a, a Mo Williams topic. That's not what this is supposed to be. What this is is a highlight of how good Jackson State has been, and Mo Williams just so happens to be the head coach in that, so he is a part of it, but it's not a Mo Williams topic. So when I look at Jackson State, they've knocked off Alcorn, Alabama State, and then also Alabama A&M. This is a pretty solid lineup of games to start off your swipe play, and I think they've proven themselves to be quality in this, in this lineup. So I wouldn't go so far as to call it a gauntlet, but I definitely think it's a, a tough lineup and not easy. You go 3-0 in this three-game stretch, and I think that's pretty solid. Alcorn is clearly the headliner, and it's what they opened up with. It was the headliner in the biggest game that they played thus far, the best team they played thus far. Alcorn only lost one game in swipe play, and that's to Jackson State. After that, they won their next two games. You look at Alabama State, they're 2-2. Two so it's not as if they're playing bad teams. They're playing pretty solid squads. Alabama A&M isn't the greatest, but Alabama State and then also Alcorn have pretty solid records in swag play, especially Alcorn. This was a game that came all the way down to the wire. Both of these games were extremely close in the first two victories. Alcorn came down to a shot with 11 seconds left. Colty Young knocked down a three-pointer, and that actually gave them the win. They had to play defense, of course, afterwards, but that was a close game. And then that... that feeling that I was referencing earlier with SMU, I feel like that was probably the feeling that Mo Williams had after the Alabama State game times five. 
because yes, it felt great to have your first victory, but I'm sure it had to be a special win. Even if it wasn't a monkey off the back, I don't know if there's any bad blood between Mo Williams and Alabama State. But I can't I can't help but imagine that you play the team you were just coaching for last season and you beat them. I can't help but think that had to make you feel at least a little bit good. Not inside, no inside information, but you know, that's just my assumption on at least how I would do it. That's what I would be like. I'll be like, man, because they, I mean, I opted to leave. That's the thing. Like he can't feel cheated because he opted to leave. But at the same time, you, I, at the worst, I didn't want to lose to you, especially since I chose to leave. I didn't want to lose. So winning was a, a pretty big relief in my mind if I was in that situation. So you look at the Alabama A&M game, and that's where he was really kind of, I don't want to say able to stretch it out. It was an eight-point victory. But the Alabama State game was three points. The Alcorn game was one point. So it's completely different now. You get into this game, you win by eight. It's like, oh, we blowing teams out in comparison to the other way, right? Not, not that you really are. But that's how it feels when you have one-point win, last-second shot. Three-point win. You holding them off real late. You got to fight their, their last-second surge. And now you play, you play Alabama A&M, and now you feel like, okay, you have a – this is the first comfortable win. There we go. That's the best way to put it. I know if I talk long enough, I get my way into it. But this is just the most comfortable win they had. Those first two games were extremely close, and you needed Colton Young. You needed Jamarcus Jones to really step up in the way that they did. They've been big during this three-game win streak. They scored double digit in every single one of these games, and I feel like they had to be because Trace Young was out for a game. He missed that first game versus Alcorn. And, and how did they get it done? By Jamarcus Jones dropping 20 points, right? We get it done by uh, Colton Young having a last-second three-pointer to win the game. That's how we get these things done. They had to step up. And then once Trace Young comes back, he takes them a game to get right. So that Alabama State game wasn't great. But you know what? Young, well, it's two Youngs, Colty Young, and then also Jamarcus Jones, they step up and they drop double digits again. And now when it comes to Alabama A&M, Trace Young drops 24. And both of the gentlemen, Colty and Trace, wow. This is my first time having a double up last name where I have to say the first name the whole time. But Trace Young drops 24 versus Alabama A&M. But that doesn't mean that Colty and then also Jamarcus Jones are just going to slack up. They both drop double digits in those games as well. If all three of these players can continue to drop points, this should be a pretty good team because they already have that defense. They already have the second defense or second ranked defense in conference play. So they've been really eliminating points. So if those three can continue to score and can continue to put up numbers, Jackson State's going to be for real. They have a really good test versus Prairie View coming up on Saturday, and I'm extremely happy that we get to see Jackson State versus Prairie View, and we also get to see Grambling versus Southern on Monday or Saturday. We'll be recapping those games on Monday because those are big-time matchups, and I can't wait to see how they turn out. So that's just something you have to look forward to, even though we still have an episode in between. And as we go forward with Locked on HBCU, we're going to talk about Aaron James because he's the new Tuskegee head football coach. And there's absolutely no doubt in my mind, this is a Reginald Ruffin hire. Maybe even more than just a suggestion. Maybe he went and said, this is the guy. I'm putting my name behind him. I'm going to tell you exactly why I feel that way as we continue with the episode. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the number one place for all of your sports wagering. We are going into playoff season. This is the greatest time for me. As much as I love football, there's no better time than the NFL playoffs. None. I don't think 
anything compares to it. That's just me, though. We're going into Super Bowl wild card, or excuse me, Super Wild Card weekend, where we have six games Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. The slate is full. There's so many games for you to put your money down on, and they have the best props. They have in game props. They have just who's going to win the game. We have odds as far as the spread. And then you can go all the way into the Super Bowl with this. And then right after the Super Bowl, we have our eyes on the futures. So Bet Online is the number one place. And if football isn't your thing, we can still do basketball. We can still do hockey. We can still do combat sports, esports. Come on. We're talking about bet online here. We're talking about the most versatile out in, in addition to being the fastest and easiest way to wage on all of your favorite sports. That's bet online where the game starts. As we keep on rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day for your second listen of the day. Make sure you're checking out Locked on College Basketball with everything you need about the sport in one place. It's a one-stop shop similar to us here with HBCUs, but put that into a college basketball format. So go ahead and check that out wherever you get your podcast, including where you're listening to me right now. It's just that easy. Don't want to have to go look for it later. Type it in right now and press search and play it right after me. Matter of fact, Upload it to play next if you're on the audio side of things. So that's exactly what you guys need to do. And we're going to talk about Aaron James and Tuskegee. This is the first time that I've actually didn't spin into a basketball topic after I did that lead in. So I had to keep you on your toes. But Aaron James, there's no doubt in my mind he is a, a Reginald Ruffin hire. I wouldn't even be surprised if Ruffin went in and said, you know what? This is the guy. I'm sure he didn't make the decision by himself, but he just went and said, I'm putting my name behind Aaron James, and this is the guy. And just so we have a little bit of backstory and context, Reginald Ruffin was the head coach at Tuskegee just last year. He was the head coach and athletic director. He decided to just be the athletic director, and now who moves up? So you could kind of say he moved up. Now he went from HC to AD. So who's going to move up now? Aaron James, who was the offensive coordinator for Tuskegee last year. And he moves up from OC to head coach. Now it's, it's more than just that. It's more than just the fact that this is a this is a, a a promotion. It's more than that because I wouldn't be shocked that this was always in the plans. You look at the history that Ruffin and James has has. When Ruffin was the head coach at Miles, guess who was a part of his staff? That's right, Aaron James. And that was when he really started to grow and he really started to blossom. He went from being a positional coach to being an offensive coordinator. He watched him grow underneath his wing. So these guys have a lot of history together. They've been working together for a long time. If there's anybody who really knows what Aaron James is about, it's probably Reginald Ruffin. If there's anybody who went in there and said, I have a lot of confidence in this guy, this is the guy to have, I believe it's Reginald Ruffin. There's no way that he wasn't at least a part of the decision, and I I kind of find it hard to imagine that he wasn't a vocal part. When you work together with somebody for years, nearly a decade, and you feel like you know them, and we're talking about a head football coach, a position that you just held, why would you not recommend somebody that you trust? And even if you want to say, okay, that's kind of conspiracy theorist, you know, or close to it, there is no way that Aaron James is this head coach at Tuskegee if Reginald Ruffin doesn't think he's ready. There's no way. Somebody who's been on your staff, we talk about references, right? You go in, you put your resume down, you got your references. Your employer or your, your want-to-be employer might call those references. Hey, you know, how, how is the mouth of the South at work? Well, you know, you talk up a storm, you, that, like that's, that's what you're going to do. But he gets his work done. They're going to call you references. 
There's an obvious reference right there. There is no way. So at the worst, he put the stamp on it. If he did not say, if he didn't put his name behind it, he put his okay stamp on it. And that's the, the lowest I'm willing to go. Because he's worked with him at Miles. He's worked with him at Tuskegee. Aaron James and Reginald Ruffin know each other very well. Very, very well. So when I say that Aaron James is a Reginald Ruffin hire, I, I really do mean that I think he walked in a room and said, I'm not the coach anymore. This should be your guy. Can't just demand it, but he can hardly, he can uh, uh, firmly suggest that to be the thing. And prior to him coming to Tuskegee, you saw him at Bethune-Cookman. He was there for the better year that Kamari Avery had. He was there when Kamari Avery was an All-American, a first-team All-American. So that's one thing I'm looking like, oh, okay. Well, you were there for one of the the high points in this guy's career. Somebody who could be an NFL prospect. I definitely will be watching him, but that's not the topic at the time. So you had that year, and then you have all the time when you were at Miles. And when you were at Miles, you had a bunch of players who were first or second team all SEAC guys. You had a, a, a running back who was the offensive player of the year, the, the conference MVP. You had a quarterback who was a first team all conference player. You had all of these things going for you, and you won. You have multiple SEAC appearances. And me, I love a coach who wins. I know it always doesn't translate or it doesn't always translate, especially because it's not your ship. You're part of the ship. You're part of the crew, but it's not your ship. So it's not as if, okay, you, you just because you're underneath the coach who knows how to win doesn't mean you automatically soak it in. I'm dealing with that right now as a Saints fan, in my opinion. But you're looking at James. He didn't just win as a coach. He also won as a player. And that's his connection to Tuskegee. When you, when you get his connection to the school, it's deeper than just being an offensive coordinator in 2022. He's the winningest quarterback in Tuskegee history. He has 42 victories. It's more than anybody else in school history. He only had five losses. He led them to an undefeated team or undefeated season in 2000. So there's so many things that he has going for them or for him in the winning department. And this is just me. I gravitate towards coaches who win. I just do. It's, it's an intangible. Not everybody has it. Not everybody can sustain it. There's so many things to go into. But when I see that you know how to succeed, whether that's in development, whether that's in, 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 in uh, wins, whether that's in success as far as yardage, there's so many ways to look at it. If you can be successful, bring, 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 come on. If your, if your side of the ball contributed to wins, bring it on. That's what I'm looking at. That's something I gravitate towards. So maybe that's just a personal thing, but that is something that I do value. And going forward, we're going to go to Norfolk. I know they're good. They've been good and they're going to stay good, apparently. But that doesn't mean we don't need to talk about how good they are just because it's the same old, same old. So let's go ahead and break down a little bit of how their season has transpired thus far as we continue with Locked on HBCU. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the number one protein bar on the market, bar none. And I don't care what protein bar you try to stack up next to them. They just pale in comparison. And I've had them. I've ate all of them. They don't taste as good. They're not as good for you. You look at Built Bar. It's covered in chocolate. You have the Built Puff that is a freaking marshmallow covered in chocolate. And yet they're still full of protein. Low in sugar. Low in carbs. High in protein. Every single bar. I can use this at any time. I can use it to be a, a, a snack because I'm just hungry. I can use it as a protein bar before I go to work out. There are so many beneficial uses for, for Built Bar and so many delicious flavors. I can't, I can't imagine you not being able to find a time to eat it in a flavor to desire. 
you're probably gonna want more. So I would suggest you get the variety pack and see which one is your favorite. You can get them at Walmart, you can get them at Sam's, or you can get them on Built.com. And if you use the promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your offer. As we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, Norfolk State is still good at basketball. They're still good at basketball. That, that's, that's just a fact. And we should talk about it. Norfolk State's two games in the conference proves two things. Right? Because it proves, one, if you're good for too long, it gets a bit boring to people. It becomes a bit mundane. It's like, okay, we get it. Norfolk is good. There's no reason to talk about it because it's, it's not a story. Being good for years is not a story, especially when it doesn't seem like people really felt there was much competition for them coming into the season. I didn't hear about anybody being able to knock off Norfolk. Norfolk State came back. They returned Joe Bryant. They returned uh, Chris Bankston. There's so many good players still on this. So you return your two-star. As wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, Norfolk's last two games, or two games in the conference, to me proves two things. Norfolk State proves two things with this, and it's that, one, being good for long is quite boring. You know, I don't think there's going to be any envy. That's what I think comes with a lot of dynasties. A lot of dynasties are envied, so it leads to hate. I haven't heard anybody hating Norfolk, but I also don't hear people talking about Norfolk because they're just good. It's not new. It's been this way. It's always been this way, and... Norfolk State, it's, it's like the team, okay, we expected this. This is exactly what we expected, so why, why would we even talk about it? Well, they're still a good team. Maybe we need to talk about it. It's like, okay, Norfolk returns Chris Bankson and Joe, and Joe Bryant. We expect them to be good. They come out and they're good. What's there to talk about? There's no story there. We'll, 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 we'll rather just focus on the team that is under the radar or the team that we didn't see coming and is here, or the team that we thought was going to be really good, but they're failing. There's so many other stories, but the team that is exactly what we thought they were is not a fun story. It's part of the reason teams who are bad and we knew they were going to be bad and they're still bad don't get discussed because it's not a fun story. But I'm going to tell you here, they've been good, and we're going to talk about how they've been good because let's not let's not ignore it. They're one of two undefeated teams in the conference. And the first game was against, or excuse me, the second thing it shows me. I forgot the second thing. The second thing that it shows me is that there is such a luxury in not having to prove a thing to anybody. Because we expect them to be good, they could falter if they wanted to. Teams who are expected to be in the middle of the pack, they lose to a middle of the pack team. It's like, I don't know if they're really that good. Norfolk State loses to a middle of the pack team. Whoever they, I can't remember who they play on Saturday. If Norfolk State loses the game on Saturday, people are like, oh man, Norfolk State lost. They're going to give all the praise to the team that upset Norfolk State. And then they're going to say, oh, they bounce back because you're good. You're good. It takes so long for people to say, you don't even have to prove you're good because we expect you to be good. So now that you come out and you haven't immediately proven that to be false, we're just going to go ahead and rock with it. They don't have to go through this resume. Norfolk State could be the could beat the worst two teams in the conference. Five times over as their first 10 games. And you know what? We're not going to question their strength of schedule because we expected them to be good and they don't have to prove anything to anybody. They don't have to prove that they're good. We already know it. They have to, they have to prove that they're not. 
This is the epitome of something of a race that it's yours to lose. It's the epitome of that. So let's look at their season thus far. It's two games. They're in, two games in to conference play. Look at Maryland Eastern Shore. They did a great job really limiting that Norfolk offense. And that was the story to me. I knew that was going to be the case. But at the same time, Maryland Eastern Shore can't score points. So they were no match for Norfolk State. So even though you limit Norfolk, you're just not that good at scoring. But they're one of the better defenses. There's no shame in getting limited by one of the better defenses in the conference. Now you move to Delaware State, and that's a game where you have a little bit more room. You have two teams or two players who are near 20 points. Joe Bryan actually does cross that 20-point threshold. And you look at George Beal, who hit his season high of 19. This is just a team that is really good, a team that's not going to run into many games where they struggle to score like they did against Maryland Eastern Shore. And I don't care if it's mundane. I don't care if it's normal. I don't care if you see this all the time. Norfolk State is a good team. We're going to talk about it as we continue going through the season. They continue racking up victories. We are going to continue to talk about it. 2-0, and 3-0, 4-0, 4-5, 5-0. It doesn't matter what it is. As long as Norfolk State is good, we're going to touch on it because it's important. Even if it's mundane, even if it's normal, even if we expect it, that doesn't make it any less real. It's still the case and it still needs to be discussed. So we're going to do that on Locked on HBCU. I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day. For your second listen, check out Locked on College Basketball for everything you need around the sport in one place. Hopefully you already did type it like I told you to. Now it's time to press send and press play because I'm almost done. On tomorrow's episode, we're going to be breaking down Grambling versus Southern. This is the big-time game of the weekend. I cannot wait to see how it turns out. This is the game everybody should have their eyes on. In the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter, at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care, stay blessed. Peace.